0: Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good
1: morning. It's Rochester today. Thursday. She always in the house, as
0: we like to say. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andrew. (laughs) So uh, a lot of a lot
1: of. uh, I guess surprising happenings in the world this week since we talked last hmm I'm looking forward to our
0: chat today what what do we have in the mailbag though okay, and the mailbag uh, uh, mr cheney uh, G w Bush's vice president from Wyoming is defending his daughter Liz in the January hearing investigation uh, and this is a real photo uh. The Babylon Bee had it. It shows Cheney, because this really happened. Cheney, with his Wyoming cowboy hat on, with an angry look on his face, did say this, that uh, that Trump is a threat to American democracy. And uh, uh, he did say that. So the Babylon Bee shows his picture and then says, uh, Cheney says, never has America faced a greater threat than Donald Trump says the guy who started two wars and shot a hunting partner in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and all that's true, too.
1: <laughs> I always wanted to see that movie that uh, was about Cheney. I think it was called Cheney. Uh huh. I, I don't think it uh, was very kind to him, let's put it that way. But I, I always wanted to see it. I never caught it
0: he was a war hawk. He did get us into wars. And then because he worked for a defense industry company, people were always suspicious uh, of his motives uh, and finances. The Babylon Bee, another one. It shows Hunter Biden <laughs> looking out a window <laughs> with a little bit of fear on his face. And it says, High-level Chinese asset and sex trafficker Hunter Biden breathed a sigh of relief this evening as an FBI raid team passed his window and <laughs> went, to, went to Donald Trump's residence. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. <laughs> and then Biden, Hunter says, "Ooh, I thought I thought they had me for a minute there." <laughs> and, and this from Wayne. This Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 should be called the Inflation Creation Act of 2022. We do not need more spending. We do not need new taxes and we do not need 87,000 new IRS agents who will conduct uh, audits. Yeah, they will. And they're gonna go after conservatives, you bet, and, and conservative organizations. And then Wayne reminds us, President Obama said back in 2008, it's a bad idea to raise taxes during a recession. And that's what Biden's doing. And then from our pal Cato, Sir Thomas, apparently the FBI raiders just scooped up a ton of documents from uh, 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 Hunt's uh, Mara Ligo without examining them. If they went to his house without being cataloged and sealed in their objectives and organization, some of it they won't be able to use as evidence, I think, uh, but we'll see what they're up to. But I am shocked, I am grieved, I am mortified, but sadly enough, Tom, I am not surprised. I am not surprised what the deep state is doing trying to destroy Trump's candidacy coming up. And then uh, Nevada Dan uh, said the missing documents in uh, the FBI raid on Trump's Palm Beach uh, House are, are, are very speculative and uh, the procedures are very questionable. And, uh, and Dan says, uh, you know, uh, the FBI has energized Trump supporters though, and they have and, uh, uh, fundraising amounts are huge now. And he, Dan says, the FBI has turned into a terrorist group. If the Republicans take over, I'm sorry, Tom, I don't know if they have the courage or the skill to fight the state uh, because some of the Republicans have Trump derangement syndrome as bad as the Democrats. Uh, I hope something will be done, but I'm not very hopeful. Uh, And then from Jerry, I believe Tom, the FBI raid will create a red tsunami, not just a red wave. Uh, And this is gonna backfire on them. I I pray that Trump will win and clean out DC corruption and then uh, Trump as as Speaker of the House, and then President, and then eight years of DeSantis after him to get rid of the swamp. Uh, we are so frustrated. Uh, the deplorables are getting furious, and uh, this has gone too far. Uh, and uh, so uh, people are wondering what happened. We'll have more to say about that in a minute, but that's the mailbag. That
1: was a full mailbag is what that was. Hmm. Your shoulder must be hurting from carrying all that.
0: <laughs>
1: okay, we'll take our break, Tom, and return in a moment with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell, and this is Rochester's News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. 10 days, 100-plus weekly artisan and food
0: vent. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk, 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. We are back. We be.
1: Tom, I'm Andy. And it's News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. And voters went to the polls a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I Tom, I honest, I guess my assessment, my overall assessment of what happened on Tuesday was nothing surprised me at all. I, I no, nothing surprised me. <laughs> We had, uh, obviously, the city council races, uh, the city mayor race. Uh, mayor Norton came out looking very strong in that race, uh, three-way race, and she had almost 57% of the votes cast. Uh, the city council races, um, so nothing to surprise me too much there. Uh, strong showing by the incumbents all around. Uh, of all the local candidates, all of the incumbents had very, very strong showings. Uh, and on the Rochester School Board, uh, the two incumbents who are running had wide wide margins of victory overall, but the, I guess, what do they call the conservative block of candidates? Mm-hmm. Uh, the three of them that were participating in the primaries all did advance. Mm-hmm. So it sets up a showdown in November. And I I, I imagine that was their goal was to get into the November election and get through the primary process. So that alone would be a victory for that group. Uh, The other member of the block, John Whalen, did not have a primary because um, only two candidates. He's challenging uh, one of the incumbents. And in the other race, um, there are no incumbents in that race, I don't believe. Um, and on the county board, you had two races for seats that have been vacated by longtime county commissioners. So that was a wide open field. And I guess I wasn't too surprised that one of those races was fairly close. Actually, very close. It was about 20-vote difference between the top two vote getters. On the on first district congressional race with Ettinger and... Finstead advancing to November. Once again, <laughs> absolutely no surprise at all. Maybe the surprise might have been that Finstead uh, roundly defeated Jeremy Munson. It wasn't even close. He he had a very, very strong performance against Munson, who was challenging Finstead, the endorsed candidate. Edinger receiving very wide support among Democrats. Uh, I believe it was 90% of the votes cast went. On that primary to Edinger, who is a former chief executive of the Hormel Foundation or Hormel Corporation, I'm sorry. Uh, not well known in political circles, but apparently there's enough there to give it, get his name out, but instead won the special election over Edinger to represent the first congressional district through the end of this year um succeeding the late Jim Hagedorn so that is a preview of November I imagine finstad has got to be uh feeling pretty good about his chances of getting that seat for the next two years moving forward which would leave it in the hands of the Republicans Mm -hmm. I don't even know if I was surprised Tom by the Ilhan Omar race uh really, really close race up in Minneapolis with Don Samuelson as Don Samuels. I'm sorry if I added the name wrong. I'm still recovering from staying up late in the primary. Um, I, that was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I thought it would be fairly close, but, um, I think Ilhan Omar might be a bit concerned, not about this election, but two years from now,
0: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: it shows that, that that crime issue is a very, very potent issue public safety uh, in Minneapolis, because that particular district is known in Minnesota as probably the most liberal district in the state as far as congressional districts are concerned, and that her challenger, uh, who campaigned largely on the public safety issue, came close to unseating her. So whether or not she moderates her messaging or not, it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen down the road. I think she's pretty well assured re-election in November, though.
0: Well, I was surprised how close it was, and I don't think she is assured when it was that close because I think that her opponents will be galvanized to to emphasize her mistakes, and then she'll be tied to some policies that are not very uh, popular even with Muslims. Uh, traditional muslims so but this was a i was surprised how close it was but uh it it, it it was an important thing i was i was uh impressed with the school board race and three conservatives they want conservative values and they want conservative academic uh, standards uh that, that they got onto the school board race uh and if they get in uh, the uh Jean Marvin was reelected, and she's a leader of the school board. But these conservatives, uh, uh, Ray Parker and Kim Rashavi and, and, and Elena Nyhoff, uh, their motto or their standard uh, and objectives are respect parents and teachers, confront violence and still academic discipline and personal discipline, financial responsibility, and we have to protect childhood innocence and the assault on, on things in that gender sexual area, and restore rigorous academic standards and treat all students equally. And as you said, John Whalen is already on the ticket for the general election. And uh, if these three get on, it'll make school board meetings uh, a lot more interesting.
1: <laughs> to, to say the least, but I do point out the incumbents in the primary did very, very well. And it shows that they obviously have a vast amount of support out there for the status quo as far as the schools are concerned. Yeah. Well, I will also say that that may not mean a hill of beans when you get to November. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a totally different animal, the general election, when you compare it to the primary election. And when we're talking about who actually turns out to vote, uh, usually the primary is dominated by people motivated either by an issue or by a candidate. You get to the general election, you get a whole lot of people who, that's their habit. They vote, they consider it their civic duty, obligation, responsibility, patriotism, the whole works. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether or not they are as excited about any particular issue or candidate, um, I imagine there are far fewer people who are super highly motivated compared to what you're gonna see in a primary election.
0: And I must say, it's my impression that the present uh, school board president uh, is, is rather moderate and rather sensible and had a distinguished teaching career. So uh, I think uh, the school board will be in sensible hands. And if these conservatives get on, uh, it will surely be sensible. Time
1: will tell, as they always say, it's going mm-hmm. to be uh, that'll be a. Uh that'll probably be a the well other than the mayor's race i think that'll be the most closely watched race or, or races i better say sure uh and the mayor so much was, focus on what's happening in the schools and both the media and our culture today that uh, in, the, in the aftermath of the pandemic it's certainly going to be super closely
0: watched that's right and and the mayor kim norton got a, a, re, a resounding uh uh indication of re, of support and uh uh, I think she presents herself well, uh, as the mayor, uh, when she speaks and when she travels and she, you know, she's had a marvelous education for her job, uh, with fellowships and study at the university of Minnesota. And, uh, I think, uh, and remember, uh, some people might complain about some policies and some results, but again, this is a weak mayor system and the city manager has lots of, uh, uh, influence and, uh, I think the mayor has a veto power that can be used, but uh, uh, but that was an interesting race too. So uh, it's just fun, but so complicated. I had a hard time keeping track of who and what and where. And uh, <laughs> you did a great job, Andy, staying up late and managing the information.
1: In the mayor's race, um, and maybe the maybe I was a little bit surprised by the showing of strength by Kim Norton, just because. Through this pandemic, there's been just a, I would call it a general mood of displeasure. Uh, and she has seemed to have been the focus of a lot of the criticism, at least locally, when it comes to the pandemic, just as the school board has been a focus of it as well. Yeah, and and the impact on students, mm-hmm. but as far as the business community is concerned or the business climate in the city, and the impact uh, she seemed to be the lightning rod for criticism on pandemic related issues and for her to do as strongly as she did in the primary i guess i was a little bit surprised i thought maybe one of the other candidates might have had a stronger
0: showing sure and then the closing of businesses and the uh, regulations and rules that were with it uh, she was she'd be criticized for that Uh, but you know the uh, I, I lately have to, uh, talked to some uh, pretty prominent business people who have been here a long time and, and uh, are historic uh, in themselves. And they're furious about uh, the, the um, Mayo Clinic uh, plans that they think are really hurting uh, businesses and making it tough for uh, established business people to be successful downtown. And uh, they're very angry about it. I think that's a a more widespread sentiment than
1: just those people you talk to. I, I run into it a lot when I get out and just have chats with people here and there. And it seems to be a general theme of there's a general sense of, I guess, displeasure with what's happening with the city government. I mean, it's not, it's not, I guess that part of it may be specific. Uh, all the disruption caused by DMC uh, is is always there, is one of the themes. But also, I don't know. Maybe it's just growing pains. I, I can't put a put an exact diagnosis on all the symptoms. But but once again, all the incumbents on that city council who had faced primary challenges did really really well. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: perhaps that level of displeasure is not as high as I think it is.
0: Hmm.
1: So let's move on. What else do you have to cover before we have to take
0: our next break? Well, uh, just a couple of items. Uh, the Minneapolis schools have spent $2 million on diversity in the math curriculum. And uh, the, uh, the, uh, they want ethnic, racial, and cultural diversity and equity in the teaching of math and the results of math. Uh, uh, to me, that means erosion of standards and uh Uh, trying to water down mathematics and politicize it. That's my bias on it. Uh, But uh, uh, I've talked to uh, traditional math teachers and uh, engineer friends who don't like what's being done to math. Uh, The people are trying to do to that which they have done to the liberal arts subjects uh, in uh, in quest for this uh, leftist philosophy. Uh, And uh, only 35% of students in Minneapolis are meeting or exceeding math standards. Uh, That's from the Minnesota Department of Education. Now, what the cause of that is, how you solve that, and whether this woke curriculum will do it, it remains to be seen, and I am not optimistic.
1: And it's not just the math numbers. The reading numbers are pretty miserable out there as well. And it's not just Minneapolis. The numbers uh, in the wake of this pandemic um, don't look pretty, and it's pretty concerning uh, for this particular group of young people moving forward uh, with their adult lives, whether uh, they'll have the tools that they need to be successful is an open question. And whether or not those still in the system can catch up in time, I don't know. But I, I, on the surface, I can agree with you. What has that got to do with math? It's numbers. Numbers are numbers. But the only other aspect of this is, I think I've talked to you about this before, is Oftentimes now in math curriculums, they use word problems, try to relate real world issues to apply math. And, you know, hey, the carpenter has to lay out a patio and he's going to, the area is this, how do you determine the area? And what they have found is that obviously is not a good example because I think it wouldn't matter what culture you came from, you could figure that one out if you need the language. But References in some of these word mathematics uh, problems that depending on how you grew up, you may not get the cultural references. And that's something that could be addressed, but I don't I don't know if that's what they're talking about here. So,
0: Well, uh, yeah, we'll see, but that might be. And how do you address that? Either cut out word problems yeah. or have different kinds of tests for different cultures and uh, and then who's composing those questions and what do they know about it? So yeah.
1: <laughs> Go back to the old fashioned, memorize the multiplication and division tables. Yeah. And then apply those to number problems on a piece of paper.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Is there anything else before we take a quick well, break?
0: uh the uh, milwaukee wisconsin is going to host the 2024 republican national convention and milwaukee uh is a heavily blue area uh and uh and, and uh, uh they've had some uh electoral electoral issues there in the last uh, election and the procedures uh so, but the republicans want to go there and i don't know if uh, that can help turn uh, wisconsin red or not with the attention and uh uh, and their, and their uh, activities that are coming up, but uh, anyway, um, I would think the Republicans would go to a red state, but they're going to go to a blue state and maybe ho- turn some tables. Uh, and that's all I have on uh, regional news, okay? Well, we have to take our break for news, news anyway. So we'll take that break and
1: come back with more of Rochester today with Tom olstrom I am Andy Brownell on Rochester's News Talk 1340. K-R-O-C-A-M ninety 96.9 FM. It's been a while since I gave myself a real chance to meet. Maybe, I guess this is the time we talk about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. The, uh, the earthquake in the political landscape of this country that may, uh, may be felt for quite some time, for a lot of reasons. I'm going to let you start out, Tom
0: okay 30 agents of the fbi converged on mar-a-lago while trump was in new york city at trump tower Um, and i'm fully convinced that the attorney general and fbi are trying to take trump out of the election uh, in 2024 find anything they can about him as business deals january 6th and then uh, one uh, republican who has monitored the fbi said we also think that the FBI searched for uh, some material Trump had on FBI corruption, and uh, they were trying to find that. They they wouldn't make clear what they were looking for, but took boxes and boxes away. Uh, well, a lot, and then they're saying, "Well, he took classified documents uh, uh, out of the uh, White House." Well, uh, uh, the president has the power to declassify them. And remember President Clinton, Sandy Berger, took documents uh, out of uh, archives and put them down his shorts and his pants and everything else. Nothing happened to him. And, And the FBI isn't going after Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family stuff. Uh, they didn't go after Hillary with her emails. In fact, Hillary is gloating over what happened. She has a cap now, like a mega cap, and it says, "What about her emails?" on it. What about her emails? And she's grinning. And Pelosi couldn't stop from grinning and laughing when people said, "What'd you think of the raid?" Uh, you know, and she she's getting a great joy out of it. Just to me, it's it's just outrageous. Uh, Attorney General Garland. I hope the Republicans get in and impeach him and. Fire Ray, and and that was another one of Trump's idiotic uh, appointments, Uh, Ray, the director of the FBI, and he was questioned by Republicans, uh, I think it was last week. And he evaded questions. They had so many examples of FBI hypocrisy and double standards dealing with Democrats and Republicans. And he just slipped by and he ignored it. He wouldn't even admit there was anything with the FISA warrants. And then he said he had to leave the meeting. I wonder if he knew this raid was coming. Of course he did. He had to leave the meeting, he said, to catch his uh, flight because he had to go somewhere. Well, it was his private plane or the private plane assigned to him. And off he went to the Adirondacks for his uh, vacation home. But... uh this, this just smells and uh, no one was arrested in the, in the Russia hoax uh, the dossier thing. And, and I, I think it, even some Democrat prosecutors thought that the raid was outrageous that it was absolutely unnecessary. Even they said on a liberal network uh, this was outrageous and, and, uh, and that the Trumps were cooperating with, with these issues and documents. But uh, it's, it, it really looks bad to me. And the, the optics of it, I agree, couldn't be worse,
1: especially in light of the controversies that the FBI has been trying to weather through over the past two to three years. Um, they've had egg on their face more than a few times. And even if they were not politically motivated, there's the appearance of political motivation at the very, very least. And then to go and This has never been done before in the history of this country, that you would execute a search warrant with law enforcement on the home of a former president. So you would think that somebody in the room where they were discussing this would have said, is this really a good idea considering the political climate (laughs) in this nation right now? Uh We're already super divided and on edge over our politics and you're going to basically throw a Molotov cocktail into the middle of it and see what happens. And I read an interesting, I think it was Newsweek, but was, there's so many articles out there about this, that quotes a you know purported source within the FBI that contends that the reason they did the raid while Trump was in New York is because they wanted to avoid a political circus, as if they could. You're mm-hmm. raiding the home of a former president. You think nobody's going to notice that? Yeah. It, it, it's that kind of decision-making that really, really makes you wonder what in the heck is going on, regardless if you believe it's politically motivated or not. It's just stupid. It's mm-hmm. just an unwise move a hundred-some days away from a general election, a midterm election, to, I guess, pull a stunt like this. And the other aspect that I drew away from this, Tom, was they had three... Straight trucks, you know, not semi-trucks, but straight trucks that pulled into Mar-a-Lago. And they supposedly hauled away 10 to 15 boxes of materials. Mm-hmm. I could have put that in the back of my van. Not sure. three trucks. And also the the aspect that some Democrats seem to be celebrating about this raid, because I think they believe that this is going to lead to some sort of criminal charges against Trump as it pertains to the handling of these documents and materials that are supposed to be in the archives and one of the charges that could potentially be brought against Trump carries within the sentencing the inability to ever run for public office again sure sure uh, but that but that brings up the whole constitutional question of how can congress place limitations on who can run for president beyond what the US Constitution already has in it. Yes. The US Constitution spells out who can be a candidate for the highest office in the land. It does not contain any sort of language in there about Congress's ability to add additional provisions to that. So mm. if, it's a mess. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. they created a political tornado in the middle of the summer heading to the midterms that to be honest with you, I think that I don't think it, if their aim was to destroy Donald Trump, they might have done the exact opposite.
0: Sure. They might have reinvigorated his his ability to be a strong political figure. You bet, because independents are upset by it and uh, fundraising has gone through the roof since the incident. And, and Trump doesn't stop. They want to destroy him. Uh, he doesn't quit. He's the only one that can take on the deep state with consistent courage. And you might bring more Republican moderates with him after this incident because they all better watch what they're doing if if the FBI reacts to that. And then FBI agents stopped a congressional representative at the airport again. I don't know how they figure out when someone's going to go on a plane with their family. And they demanded his cell phone. Uh, so, and I worry about these, what, 90,000 uh, IRS agents that uh, Trump or that uh, Biden wants to hire this is, that's going to be a lowest learner let's go after conservative groups again um and, and who's 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 going to get the audits uh republican corporations uh pro-trump voters uh that's uh that's police state stuff too to me they should have ninety thousand more border agents assigned to the border instead of the irs and giving them guns and more intimidation i uh, the Trump's the only one that has the guts to fight to these people, and they're they're really dangerous to me.
1: Well, multiple ironies. You bring up the IRS thing, and the, the thing I took away from that was uh, they're spending a great deal of money to hire to bolster the IRS's enforcement division, which would be audits. They'll probably spend more money than they'll get. <laughs> you know it, it seems and, it, and if it's going to be uh, i don't know my return is as simple as it can be i have no deductions anymore i've reached that state of life but uh anybody who has a you know a partnership or an s corporation or any entrepreneurial complicated returns they're going to be looking over their shoulders big time and what kind of impact does that have on um, business innovation I, I don't know i, I I'm all for finding the people who are getting away with unlawful tax evasion, the hiding of income, the actual willful, I guess tax evasion is the best way to describe it. I, I, I'm all for catching them and making them pay what they owe. If it's going after people who in good faith took a deduction, and and punishing them, then I'm not, I'm not so enthused about that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, the other part about this. This is the twisted part of it, Tom. You're saying their aim is to destroy Donald Trump. Donald Trump may be the person they actually want to run because the polling numbers show that he's a matchup between he and Biden, Biden wins, and Biden is the candidate right now. And it seems to be on, on all these congressional races that we've seen around the country where a Trump endorsed candidate has been involved. There are numerous um, instances where the Democrats have poured money into advertising campaigns to bolster those candidates, the Trump candidates because they believe that they'll be easier to defeat in November and help them retain control of the House and Senate. Mm -hmm. Well, what the FBI did today may just make, or yes, this week, I better say, because it wasn't today, but the actions in this raid on the president may have distinctly improved the chances of those candidates Mm -hmm. that Trump endorsed. (laughs) this sure.
0: total backfire.
1: It, it, it could potentially be a total backfire.
0: I think so. Well, uh, whether they want him to run or not want him to run, I think a lot of people are afraid of him and want to uh, destroy him, uh, uh, and make him ineligible. I don't know how, like you said, I don't know how Congress can make a candidate ineligible, unless they find a crime on them, on him in the fishing expeditions. That's, that's what they might be trying to do. But, uh, I've well, read I think, where he leads Biden a little bit, but I'm surprised that Biden's as strong as he is in any poll. He's actually really, really weak at every poll except for that poll. Mm-hmm. The only
1: poll that he actually does fairly well in is if you put him on a head-to-head with Donald Trump again.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, not so much. Well, um, but what, if you think of Biden in a debate with Trump, I don't know how the guy could survive uh, it. <laughs> Oh, one more
1: aspect of this that um, I think, well, I, I, I think the Justice Department owes the American population, the American citizens. I think they, I think they owe us an explanation. If, if they felt that whatever offense the former president might have done warranted the seriousness of a raid on his home, I think they need to step forward in front of the American public and explain it to us. I think so too. Instead of, instead of leaving everybody in the dark with speculation, because if it ends up being a battle over a bunch of papers that are sitting in boxes in a storeroom at Mar-a-Lago, when they should be in the national archives, while discussions are taking place on which documents should be shipped and not shipped. And he's already shipped some to the archives. that. To have that warrant arraign? I, I think that I think American people are being pretty skeptical. That would be the the reasoning behind this. That you, you took this very serious, unprecedented move to
0: grab 15 boxes of papers. And then, you know, uh, FBI Director Comey took classified information home uh, that was derogatory to Trump, and the FBI went into his home and then said, give it back. And Hillary took thousands of classified items in her emails. And so, yeah, but well, uh, uh, this might be the last straw for, uh, I think for uh, even moderate Democrats and independents. Uh, it's a scary police state thing, many people think. Others are happy about it, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think it will further further inflame the division that we're feeling in the United States today. And I don't think that that's a really good thing overall. Um, I guess we'll take a break. How's that? we mm-hmm. back with more of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I am Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health. Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM
0: and 96.9 FM.
1: Okey-doke. T.O., we're down to our final few minutes of the program. I suppose we better talk about things happening outside of the United States and their impact
0: on our country. Well, you've got the United Nations concerned about the shelling in the Ukraine war around a nuclear plant. It's in Russian territory, uh, but uh, Ukrainians are running it and some Russian shells came pretty close to it. And uh, some are worried about the destruction and danger of a nuclear plant explosion. And remember, Chernobyl was that horror and, uh, and Chernobyl happened when the Ukraine was a Soviet satellite as uh, that occurred in the Ukraine too. But uh, uh, people are concerned about shelling in the vicinity of that plant and what could happen. Yeah, I, that would
1: seem like something that would be very, very concerning. If you uh, you, know, if you broke the containment and busted up the coolant system in that plant, You could have another Chernobyl meltdown and have a whole swath of land in that part of the world uninhabitable for a long, long time. And you could have a plume of radioactive materials moving across other geographic areas and into
0: parts of Europe again. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then the Ukraine is getting pushback from Wall Street about debt talks and repaying uh, debts. But uh, I don't know how the Ukraine can be expected to repay any debts in wartime conditions. And uh, and I read how Zelensky, the president of the Ukraine, is asking China to help rebuild oh. the post-war Ukraine. China, who is uh, supporting Russia in the war, uh, overtly and covertly, uh, Zelensky said it's a powerful nation, and we have infrastructure we need rebuilding, and he's asking China and Xi. To discuss it with them, they're getting involved in in rebuilding the infrastructure of the Ukraine after this war ends. Uh, I find that uh, extraordinary. Yeah, I I've not heard that. I did read, and I
1: I didn't get a chance to read the article. I only saw the headline. Um, because I sorry, I got swamped with election stuff this week. But apparently, Putin has canned three more of his generals over the lack of progress in Ukraine
0: going to be running out of generals. Well, he is. I think he's lost about 100. uh, Well, Colonel is right below general, and he's lost about 90 of his uh, top uh, generals. So you're right. He is hurting. But so is Ukraine. Well, yeah. I mean, definitely. But Ukraine is receiving
1: some replenishment from the West as far as armaments. And some of the armaments are far more sophisticated than what the Russians have available. And there's a great deal of discussion about how russia's war fighting ability has been degraded by what is happening in ukraine because so much of its machinery is being destroyed mm-hmm. and any year you, know, you can have like the, the russians i almost said the soviet Union, but the russians have far more tanks than any other nation in the world they, the tanks a lot of artillery well not all of those tanks are already a lot of them Need parts. A lot of them have been sitting in a field for a while. So I mean, how it—it's it, it, interesting with all of the saber rattling by Putin. Whether or not his military capabilities are anywhere near, near where they were before this all began, I—it's mm-hmm. a big giant question mark.
0: You sure. got about a minute. Sure. Well, the Russians are having supply problems, logistical problems, and the Ukrainians have been good at taking out his supply trains. Uh, and, and with drones uh, and destroying bridges that the Russians need to get supplies over rivers. So uh, the Ukrainians are, uh, Ukrainians are doing the best they can with it. But but the infrastructure has been so devastated, you wonder how it could ever be resolved or repaired and, uh, and what nations will help with that task like the U.S. did uh, after World War II, uh, uh, improving the infrastructure of the enemies as well as the Allies. And and how that'll be conducted.
1: Well Tom, we've got uh, we've gotta make way for news and other things, so we'll chat again next week. You have a great weekend.
0: Okay. We'll see how the
1: world has changed between now and then. <laughs> yeah. All right. Tom Ostrom with us this morning on Rochester Today. Uh, tomorrow we'll be chatting with Steve Lang from Rochester magazine. Be sure to tune in. To Rochester today on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9
0: FM. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speaks